Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. You know, one angel killed 10,000. You know, uh, one angel can put to death. I mean, these are, these are warrior creatures in the unseen realm. They do battle, they go to war, they scrap with each other. They fight for you. You guys know that in the unseen realm, there are angels that are protecting you when you don't know it. Some of us won't know till we get together in heaven how much your angel gonna be like, man, you overworked me. I want, I want a bonus. You, you, you was putting me, you was putting me to work out there, man. You know, we may never know till we get there what all they did in the unseen realm. Angels are not the cute cupids that we sometimes see them as in television and cartoons. In fact, they're great warriors. Today, Pastor Bill helps you understand the strengths and weaknesses of angels. He teaches you that Satan was once an angel and that there's warfare amongst the fallen angels and God's angels. Through Jesus, you're protected in the spiritual realm. Angels stand by your side and guard you from the evils that you can't see. Take confidence in knowing that Jesus' angels protect you. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Revelation, chapter 4, for today's edition of A Transforming Word. The only two beings that God has created that are eternal are angels and human beings. So everything else God created is not eternal. If you love your dogs, they, they, when they die, get a new dog. They're not eternal. They're not awaiting you in heaven. They're not running around. Fluffy is not running around the gates waiting for you to appear there. Human beings, angels, everything else is, is not eternal. So... The angels, uh, we know that they're in the unseen realm. They exist in the presence of Almighty God. Satan used to be an angel. He was an anointed cherub that covered. Then he fell. So he's, now he's still an angel, but he's a fallen angel. So in the unseen realm, there, there are angels that still belong to the Lord. And there's demons that fell with Satan. Those are fallen angels. They're in the unseen realm. Here's the difference. The angels that fell, is there a plan of redemption for them? Can they be forgiven? Is God going to give them a second chance? No. We're told in the book of Hebrews that God does not give aid to the angels, but he does give aid to the seed of Abraham. So God says, when the angels fall, there's nothing I can do for you. Done. Why? That's thing. I mean, I wonder that like, you know, maybe God will have a soft place one day and forgive Satan and repent. He'll forgive him. Never. It's a wrap. Why is that? I believe it's because of where they fell from. They fell from a place where they saw God in all of his glory and still decided, I want to do my thing. And God said, okay, then you can go do your thing. There'll be no plan of redemption for you. There'll be no coming back. And so when you wonder, what, why does Satan care about us? Why, did they, why, why do they care about what? Why would they bother with mankind? Because I want you to think of how it must bug them to watch you and me. We're not perfect. They're they watching us. They watch you tear up. They're there when you do what you do. And they're like, they can get another chance. That don't seem right. They, you know, I want they, you know, they want their, they want you to go to hell with them. They know where they're going. They know it's a fact that they're going to hell. I've often said demons are like, I used to do youth ministry, and whenever we would be around a pool, I'd see all the boys coming, and they're trying to come and tackle me to throw me in a pool. And, you know, that was just what we would do around pools. I would, you know, throw the cell phone. And if I know I'm going in, I'm going to grab as many kids as I can. I'm just making sure I'm just not going alone, right? I'm, I'm going in. I committed. I'm going. But I'm snatching up as many little kids as I can. Y'all all coming with me, you know? That's, how, that's where Satan is working from. He knows he's going to hell. And as many people as he can deceive and lie to and ensnare and entrap and take with them, that's what he's trying to do. That's the motivation behind his wickedness. He also hates God. 
And so he hates the fact that you can be saved because he can't. Now, for you and me, we got a different situation, right? God knows that we're flawed and God has made a, a plan for you and I to be redeemed. That if we would put our faith in Christ, no matter what we have done, God is willing to forgive us, to cleanse us. He'll move inside of us in the person of the Holy Spirit. Help us to transform from the inside out that the supernatural down payment that you belong to the Lord and will go to heaven is the Holy Spirit. And God will continue to work in us until we go to be with him. And so that's not true for angels. It's only true for human beings. And so, again, around this throne, there are these 24 elders are sitting on these lesser thrones. Now, why are they on thrones? The Bible says that we're joint heirs with Christ. It says that in Romans 8, 17. We're also told in 2 Timothy 2.12, that we're going to reign with him. We're going to reign with him. And so that's why they're on thrones. They're enthroned with him, but they're just, they're on lesser thrones. They're not, they're not on thrones where they're being worshipped. They're on thrones where their worship, we'll see, is directed toward the one that's on the throne. It says they had crowns of gold on their heads. We know that saints and believers, we know that we can live in such a way that God will reward us. That we can receive crowns and we can receive you know, crowns for your Christian service, for your sacrifice. There are different things that we can do in our Christian experience where God says, I'm going to give you, you get, a th- you get a crown for that. What do they do with these crowns? We'll see in, in a little bit um, that they take the crowns and they cast them in worship at the feet of the Lord. You know, uh, they take that which is significant and it's like, God, I give it all to you. But we know that this represents the redeemed. Now look at verse five. And from the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices and so all these things that just demonstrate God's awe and his power, there was thunderings, lightning, voices that are coming from the throne. Um, again, all things that would speak to his, his, just his power. Verse, um, the second part of verse five says, there were seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. So there's these lamps. This is uh, it's taking pictures from the Old Testament temple and tabernacle. Um, the lamps that were there were lit by oil. Oil is in the Bible symbolic of what? The Holy Spirit. And so in the Old Testament, this, these oil trees that would provide nonstop you know, fire, nonstop oil to the lamps to stay burning, uh, symbolic of just the, the work of the Holy Spirit, the ongoing work, the continual work. Well, here in this heavenly scene, as he looks at the throne and looks at the one that's enthroned and the thrones around the thrones and hears the thunderings and the lightnings and the voices, he sees these seven lamps that are burning. And it says they're burning before the throne. It says, which are the seven spirits of God? We talked about this because we saw this same thing earlier in chapter one, verse four. So they're not seven Holy Spirits, right? The seven spirits of God It's in chapter one, verse four. It's explained in Isaiah 11, verse two is this. The number seven is the number of what? Completion. So that the seven spirits of God is speaking of just the complete working of the Holy Spirit. If you look at um, Isaiah Chapter 11, verse two, it lays out what that looks like. You know, what are the what's the what's the complete working of the Holy Spirit? What's what's the Holy Spirit accomplish or do? And I'll read it to us real quick. Isaiah 11. It says the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. It's the the full working, the complete working of the Holy Spirit. And so all these things are there before the throne. So we have the Holy Spirit there present. Verse six, before the throne, there were there was a sea of glass like crystal. And in the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures 
full of eyes in front and in back. Um, so we got this sea of this sea that's like glass or like crystal. And in the midst of the throne, there's four living creatures full of eyes in front and back. So if you're a note taker, write down as far as the four living creatures. These are angels. They're described, these same angels we're going to read about here are described in Ezekiel chapter 1, 4 through 14, and also Ezekiel chapter 10, 20 and 22. I'll go ahead and read their description because it's kind of interesting and people People have a lot to say about this. So it says in verse seven, the first living creature was like a lion. The second living creature like a calf. The third living creature had a face like a man. And the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. So a few things about these creatures. Number one, the old King James is a bad translation because it calls them beasts. They're not beasts. They're living creatures. These are either angelic beings. And so um, beast kind of gives a wrong connotation or a wrong idea about what these are. These are four living creatures. When it says they're full of eyes in front and in the back, that means they're seeing everything. They're insightful. They, 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 they are seeing everything that's going on. And then we get these descriptions. One looks like a lion. The other one looks like a calf. The other one is a face like a man. The other one has is like a flying eagle. And there are volumes and volumes on what that means. I've looked into all of them. I've, I read and read and read. And um, again, I think this is another place where you could go a long way describing what each of these things may or may not be and lose sight of what comes out of their mouth and what it is that they're doing. So I'm going to keep it simple for you. One of the common thoughts is that that I don't necessarily agree with, but it's, it's probably the most common one is that each one represents one of the Gospels and got the presentation of Jesus through each of the Gospels. So Matthew, they see as the lion that he shows Jesus as the lion of the tribe of Judah. As he's presenting Jesus to the Jews. Mark, they say, is like the ox. Mark shows Jesus as the humble servant and the worker. Um, Mark's Gospel shows Jesus doing many things. Luke, they say, is the man, um, shows Jesus as the, the perfect man, uh, the second Adam. And then John is seen as the eagle uh, that the representing Jesus as the man from heaven or the sky. And that I, I hear those. Right. I just feel like they're a stretch to me. Um, I don't know that I could. I don't know if I just could read my Bible and say and come up with that, you know. And so most of the, the, the descriptions I found feel that way to me. This is the this is another one that I, I may I may be a little more comfortable with is the lion. So it's looking at each of these four living creatures and saying this. Each of the four living creatures is presented in a way that represents it would represent the best of its created type. So if you looked at the, the lion, the lion is the mightiest of the animal kingdom. It's the best of the best in that realm. If you looked at the ox, it's the strongest of the work animals, or the, the domesticated animals. The eagle is is the it's the best of all the birds. It's the each one of these represents the highest form of what it is. Man is, is the highest of all of God's creation. God has put man. He's put everything under us. I wouldn't get lost here. I'm suffice to say, I don't know if it matters what each of these faces means. I know these are four angels that are before the throne. They have eyes all around them. They got these different faces. They look these different ways. But I want you to look at what they do before the Lord and what they do in God's presence day and night. Verse eight says, the four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within, and they do not rest day or night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. 
And before we look real too much at what they say, I want to run roll back just a moment and remind us of this. These are angelic beings in the unseen realm. I want you to adjust your mental picture when you think about angels to what we're actually seeing in the Bible. I think most times when people think of an angel, you think of a little, you know, a little fluffy white naked baby with wings or, you know, stuff like that. I want you to think about every time you see angels in the Bible, they're, they're warriors. There's, these creatures don't ever look sweet. When, whenever somebody saw an angel, what was their response? They were afraid. They were like, oh, dang. You know, like they fall down. They get, they get afraid. All the angels are always having to say, hey, fear not. Fear not. Don't be afraid. So, you know, these, these, are not, these are not little, you know, small. These are creatures. You know, one angel killed 10,000. You know, uh, one angel can put to death. I mean, these are, these are warrior creatures in the unseen realm. They do battle. They go to war. They scrap with each other. They fight for you. You guys know that in the unseen realm, there are angels that are protecting you when you don't know it. Some of us won't know till we get together in heaven how much your angel going to be like, man, you overworked me. I want <laughs> I want a bonus. You, you, you was putting me you was putting me to work out there, man. You know, we may never know till we get there what all they did in the unseen realm. And so just tune your view in to what, we, what we're reading about. This, this image is similar to what we see in Isaiah, the angels with the six wings, and Isaiah says, with two they cover their eyes, and with two they cover their feet, and they, they were there before the Lord. But look at what these angels have to say to God. They say, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. They are recognizing God's absolute holiness. They didn't say it once or twice. They said it three times. Holy, holy, holy. Holy. We're striving to be holy. We desire to be holy. He is absolutely holy. And they're worshiping him with these words. Holy, holy, holy. Then they call him the Lord God Almighty. Each one, Lord. That means that there's none above it. Lord, you have you have dominion over us. We submit to you, Lord. God, you are God. You're the God. Almighty, above everything. There's no power above you. Almighty, that means that there's no rival to you if you're almighty. Lord God Almighty. They put him in his rightful place. Then they say who was and who is and who is to come. That no one else fits that description. No one else was, is, and is coming still. You're eternally, eternally existing. You've always been, still are, and will always be. And they sing this. It says they say this day or night. They don't stop day or night singing this to the Lord. It's what the angels are in heaven doing. Nonstop. This is the nonstop tune of heaven. Lord, holy, holy, holy. Lord God Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. And that's on repeat up there. Then it says in verse nine, whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne. Now, let me talk about this because the angels seem like they kick it off. And then the 24 elders representing the the redeemed they fall down on their faces. And I'm going to just say this to us. If you've never just got on your face before God, it's a good thing to do. It's a good thing to put your body in the place where you, your heart's at. You know, it's good to kneel before the Lord sometimes and just to lay on your face. It's a prostrate. It's, it's, it's the most humble position you can put your body in is to just lay down. It's, it's, that is the most, you know, that's as far as we can get to put our body in a humble position and you want your body and heart to be in the same place. These people, and this is something you want to see. Every time you get a glimpse of heaven, the people that are there, they're worshiping. You know why? They're thankful to be there. They know that they, they know they're only there because of the one on the throne. Nobody gets to heaven 
People be saying, like, you know, when I get to heaven, I got some questions. You ain't got to have no questions. You just, we say dumb stuff down here sometimes. When I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God something. You ain't going to ask him like that, you know. The Bible also says when we see him, we'll know even as we're also known. So you will never be, you won't be dumber when you get there. You're going to know even as you're known. You're going to, you're going to, you, some things are going to be answered just when you get there. But if you take a look at heaven every time we get a glimpse of it, and the people that are there and what they're doing, they are humbled and they are broken and they are falling down and they're worshiping. And I wonder, because God wants things to be on earth as they are in heaven. I wonder if we would have a, a greater view of the one that's on the throne, if we would have a greater view of the throne, if, if maybe that would be more naturally what would come forth out of our lives. I'm not trying to drum up some external you know, activity that looks like worship. But but this is some there's something real. They, they ain't laying on the floor because they someone said, guys, it's lay down time. Now it's time to run a lap. They're not they're doing that. This is the natural response to being in his presence. And they're hearing it sung that, you know, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and who is, and they just like, man, I don't know what this dude just fall down before him. And they're gonna worship with their own words in just a moment, but they just fall down prostrate before the Lord. My heart for us is that we would have more of that kind of a vision, more of a just a, our hearts on eternity, our hearts on the throne, our hearts toward the one that's seated on the throne, um, that that would be the focus Can, as, as, as a church. Right. Do you think there's any bickering between the 24 elders to focus on the throne and there's no, argue what there's no arguing here. There's no bickering. There's nobody's complaining. Everybody's glad to be there. Everybody's glad to be with him. They're glad to be in his presence. They're glad that they're in heaven. There's not, none of the things that we've seen. There's no pride. Nobody's proud. It's not, it didn't say half of them fell down and a few of them stood back like, I don't need to fall. You know, everybody hit the deck. Everybody's face on the floor. They're all humbled. That's something. There's something that, that the cross brings about equality. There's a lot of different types of people in this room, different ages, different races, different states of life. But, you know, we all come to the cross. We all, there's an equality there. We all need it just the same. Amen. I don't need it more or less. I need it just the same as everybody here. We all need him. And when we get to heaven, none of us are going to be none of us have a right to be less. None of us can be like, well, you know, I, I kind of deserve to be here. I don't know how he got in. You know, there won't be none of that. Right. We get there. We're going to all know that none of us deserved it. But he provided it for us anyway. There'll be equality and even on our praise. God, thank you. What if we could live that way, though? What if we could if we know it? What if we lived like that? What if I lived like I'm not better than anybody? I'm grateful. I'm grateful as all get out that God saved me. I'm grateful that I'm going to heaven. I don't deserve it. I didn't earn it, but it's been given to me. I'm thankful for it. It should produce genuine worship. It should produce genuine surrender. It should, it should be, there should be something genuine that it produces in my life where God, because of this, you can do what you want to do with this life. You can have this life. I want to serve you. I'm not serving you so that you'll bless me. I'm not hoping you do a new thing for me. You've done enough. I'm grateful for what's already been done because I'm not, I deserve to go to hell, but I'm, I'm going to go to heaven because of Jesus. That's the one that's on the throne. That's who they're worshiping. So again, the 24 hours fall down. They fall down before him. It says that, verse 10 again, the 24 hours fall down before him who sits on the throne and they worship him who lives forever and ever and they cast their crowns before the throne um, and so, again, they take that which they received as reward 
and they just cast them before the throne. Um, again, the, the, the crowns that we get are not like, this is not our personal trophies. They just worship the Lord with them. And then it says in verse 11, they said, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they exist and were created. And so the worship that comes from these 24 elders right here is that they say, first of all, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. And I hope that we'll understand that he's worthy of that. Nobody else is worthy of that. Just him. You are worthy to receive glory. You're worthy to receive honor, power. You, you, you're worthy of that. And it, it, here they worship him for his, created, for, his, for his power and creation. For you created all things. And it says, and by your will they exist and were created. God, you made everything. And by your will, they exist and were created. So everything that we see, you're, you're responsible for. You created and they exist for you. Do we know that we exist for him? We're part of what he created. Amen. We exist. He says, you created all things and by your will, they exist and were created. It's by God's will that I exist and I've been created. And we've been created to worship him. My prayer, my hope for us, because next week we'll continue looking at heaven and we'll get a little bit more. We'll get the song of the saints and we'll get even a greater glimpse of what he's done for us. But my prayer is that we would these, these things would settle in our hearts and they would begin to impact how we live, how we think, how we treat each other, how we move, what we do. What's your vision? What's your goal? What's your focus on? And how much of it is it influenced by the one that's seated on the throne? Here's the bigger question, right? Is the one that's seated on the throne, Jesus, is he the one that's on the throne of your own heart? Right. Is there something else battling for the number one spot in your life? Um, he's the only one that deserves to be on the throne. Right. He needs to be on. The, he is on the throne regardless. But the question usually comes to us is, is he on the throne of your heart? Is he the Lord? Is he are you submitted to him? Are you running everything through him? Are you making decisions about what you're going to do day to day, week to week with your life that are running through the one that's seated on the throne? Or are you just kind of doing you doing your thing? We want to bring things into alignment where we say, God, I'm, I'm fixated on the one that's on the throne. I know when this all ends, that's where all the focus is going to be. I need to get to a place where I live my life in such a way where that becomes my focus, too. That I'm focused on you, Lord. And I'm focused on what you want. I want to give us a memory verse for the week. It's, it's memory verses, really. Uh, it's Colossians chapter three, verses one through four. I want us to all read it together real quick. So Colossians three. We're going to read verses one through four. When you get it, say, got it. Colossians three, starting at verse one. Ready? Go. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with God. When Christ, who is our life, appears then you also will appear with him in glory. So next week, we're going to say that without reading it. We're going to all say that. I want everybody to just, I, me too. Um, we all work on that. But here's the idea that verse says, look, we, since then, it says if, that word if means since. Since then you were raised with Christ. It says seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. And so my prayer is that that's the, that I don't want to just read about heaven and read about the throne and read about the one on the throne and not be impacted by it in a real way. Um, this has to impact how I think, how I make decisions, what I do from week to week. Uh, I want to live like he's on the throne. Amen. And so since I've been raised with Christ, since you've been raised with Christ, let's choose 
to seek those things, focus on those things which are above, not on the things of the earth, that we wouldn't be so caught up in the temporal that we lose sight of what matters for all eternity. Amen? That's all we have time for today on A Transforming Word. Pastor Bill has been teaching through the book of Revelation. This book touches on the people and the world being judged during the tribulation. Some may feel that with all that's happening in the world right now, that we're already there. However, there's more to come and that's why it's so important to know where you stand with God now. Don't delay a decision that you think you can put off because you have lots of time. The time is now. If you're not sure where to go or what to do and the things you're hearing from Revelation are causing you to be fearful, please let us know by giving us a call. We're here to give a listening ear and to answer any questions you might have about this teaching or about salvation. Call or send a text to 310-245-4811. That's 310-245-4811. If you prefer reaching us online, you can fill out the contact form on our website at Cal calvaryinglewood.org. If you're not already connected with a local church family, we'd like to invite you to join us this weekend at Calvary Chapel Inglewood. You can find all the information you need at our website, including service times, directions, and information about the church. You can even find links to stream our services or watch previous messages online. That website again is calvaryinglewood.org. Thanks for spending time with us today in the Word. Pastor Bill will share more about what God revealed to John in the book of Revelation next time on A Transforming Word.